Welcome into another episode of Cowboys Ride for Free, the podcast. This is episode 62, attempt number two at episode 62. Uh, we apologize for the technical difficulties uh, for Thursday's episode. The audio didn't take for Philip and Kate, who we had on the podcast as well, but we're hoping that this week is better. We will have two episodes out this week. And like I said, I'm joined by Philip Slavin, who is also a host of his own podcast at 1012. Philip, how are you doing? I'm doing all right. Just hanging out here in the master uh, closet of my house. Hey, you know, you got to do what you got to do. I, I appreciate the uh, the commitment to uh, to the podcast here. Hey, you got to do what you got to do to get the best uh, audio quality you can. Yes, absolutely. All right, so moving right into it, Oklahoma State won last night, recording on Sunday against South Alabama, 55-13. to uh, Good teams win, uh, great teams cover as a 31.5-point favorite, winning by 32. Uh Philip, what were your kind of some thoughts on the game that you had uh, overall? I was pretty impressed, but what what did you think? I mean, I feel like we shouldn't sit here and complain about a fifty-five to thirteen win where you had a second half shutout against Steve. I don't think the last time Oklahoma State had a second half shutout. That might take more research than I really want to spend the time on. But I mean, it it was against a bad opponent, so there's plenty of stuff to take away. I think. Let's do this. Let me start with the positive. Uh, the biggest positive to me is the revelation that is Tyler Wallace. You know, OSU has a deep receiving core. Um, Tyron Johnson has finally been discovered. Uh, it seems that the uh, Have You Seen Me milk cartons have worked, and it's great to have Tyron. Uh, the biggest Dylan Stoner fan on the face of the earth. But Tyler Wallace is the present and probably the future of receiver for Oklahoma State because that kid's a true sophomore, and he was a stud, 10 catches, 166 yards, and he made some incredibly athletic catches. There was one he had to go up over the defender, grab the ball. It was fantastic. Like, I am super psyched to watch him not only this year, but next year, and hopefully again in 2020. Yeah, he's no joke. He is an absolute stud for Oklahoma State. You know, true sophomore. We saw flashes of it a little bit last year, and the little bit of time that he got in you know, in big games, Iowa State game, he had like four or five catches for like 80 yards. So you can see the little flashes of as a true freshman last year. But to see him at maybe six foot go up there and just moss people, I mean, go over defenders when they have the inside leverage to make the throw, even on an underthrown ball at times. There were a couple that were definitely under underthrown by Taylor Cornelius, and he still was able to make the play. He's impressive, and he, he really is. And, yeah, going back to Tyron Johnson, I'm going to fully take credit for his breakout game uh, on Saturday because I, I mentioned on Monday that I wondered where the heck he was and if he maybe wasn't as good as we all thought just because, you know, he was a five-star recruit coming in, and then he goes five for 137, and then he had the rushing touchdown as well on the jet sweep play on the goal line, which I absolutely love everything about that play. Um, yeah, I, I was I was happy to see him not only make plays, but be involved in the offense and utilize in a proper way, getting him in open space and make it, letting him use his speed to make a play. It was it was awesome to see. Yeah, it's, it's good to know that he might actually live up to the expectations we placed on him uh, and what he could do with OSU. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping that this is not just a, uh, a one-off thing and that he can replicate it next week, but... For right now, I was really happy to see that. Um, and then defensively, like you said, there were there were definitely flashes where that defense looked pretty good. Now, granted, 
South Alabama's not the best team in the world, but when you can see little pieces of it kind of starting to come together, maybe this is going to start working itself out. Now, Boise State's a much better team next week, so there's a big challenge uh, moving forward, but I think there was some positives to see uh, out of the defense. What did you think? Yeah, there's plenty of positives. I think it, I think it's a, a fun style of defense. I think it's it's working, but I think it's still a work in progress. Um, there were quite a few dropped passes by uh, USA receivers, uh, and you're not going to be able to you know hold, hold out hope for those continuing against teams like Boise State or heck even Texas Tech and Baylor. Like that's just not going to happen like it did. So they're going to have to do a better job of of getting to those guys before they get the ball. Um, but I to say this, on the same time, there were a few missed opportunities for forcing turnovers in the game. Um, I thought the, I thought the defense was fast, and that may just be that they're just significantly faster and more athletic than South Alabama, but they looked fast. And, man, Calvin Bundage is being utilized in the best way possible. He is a havoc-wrecking machine and is so much fun to watch. Yeah, I would have loved to see the first time Jim Knowles got him in this defense and saw what he could do, and it was like, I bet he was just salivating because he's the perfect guy to kind of have in this boomer bust, like, go make a big play, go make a big hit style of defense. He's the perfect guy for this defense, and he, but he's being utilized well in it so that it's a perfect storm of what he, you know, him making all of these great plays, love the team and tackles uh, two games in a row. Yeah, it's going to be fun to keep watching him the rest of the season. I'm, I'm super glad he's on our team and not someone else's. Oh, he'd be, he'd be terrified game. otherwise. I was also impressed with Malcolm Rodriguez. I really like him as the you know downhill running safety coming and making a big hit. He made a great play on one of the opening possessions for South Alabama on fourth and one, read the read the option play perfectly, made the, the tackle for loss. He's getting better in pass coverage, but I think he's he, I mean, he's a heavy hitter, and he seems to have, just have a nose for the ball and always finds a way to get himself in on the hit, and I love I love that, and it works in this defense as well. So I'm looking forward to seeing his maturity, maturation, and his development as season goes on as well as another young guy in this defense. I also want to give some props to Colby Peel. He got thrown into the game and forced into more time than you would expect after uh, Kenneth Edison Magruder got ejected for the targeting call. Peel had a solid game, finished tied for second most tackles in the team of five, including five solo tackles and a tackle for a loss. Um, True freshman, he wasn't even the highest-rated um, cornerback or safety secondary player, a defensive back in the 2018 class. But to see that they have enough faith in him to throw him in there in that game, I think that was spectacular. I think he looked pretty solid. He wasn't perfect, but he did a really good job, and I think he'll be fun to kind of follow him through his career if that's if that's where he's starting off with now as a true freshman. Yeah, I think he had a good start, obviously. You know, that says a lot about him to be thrown in a true freshman. As a true freshman in a brand-new defense, that says a lot about what he can do. So I'm looking forward to see what he can do uh, the rest of the season and then beyond this. Uh, what is something that, you know, kind of a negative takeaway, something that you you know, you know saw that you didn't really like as much? I mean, I think we kind of, we're kind of on the same page here, but I'll, I'll see what you got. I mean, I think we both agree that special teams were abysmal. Um uh, let me say this. I think one thing people are going to say was a negative that I'm not sure about was the running game. You know, they didn't do well. They averaged like 3.7 yards per carry. It wasn't a great running performance, but I point back to last year when South Alabama loaded up the box and prevented OSU from getting much on going on the ground. 
and it didn't it wasn't a uh, it wasn't a reflection of what the rest of the season looked like and I kind of feel that's the same thing from last night you're not going to face teams moving forward who are just going to throw everyone in the box and, and try and play you man-to-man out in the secondary knowing with what OSU has at receiver and quarterback so I don't think it's a bad omen uh, there are issues on the offensive line that have started to rear their head I felt like Cornelius had to run more than he should have had to um, I think the offensive line has depth but I'm concerned about just how good it is at the top they're still going through a lot of rotation so I'm I'm a little bit worried more worried about the offensive line than I was after week one yeah, I'm definitely a little bit concerned about the offensive line. I thought overall Taylor Cornelius played well. Uh, he was, did a better job of staying in the pocket when it was clean, and he wasn't trying to make plays after one read. He was able to sit in and make good throws. Overall, I thought he did well, and I think that was attributed to you know just a week-to-week improvement. But the offensive line was concerning from the sense of he was having to break a lot of pockets early because he was getting rushed, and then he's having to make plays on the run, which he can do, but the decision-making is not was not real good last night, and that led to bad throws and interceptions. Uh, obviously, the really bad throw uh, in the end zone uh, after the big play to Tylen Wallace, that was a, that was kind of a backbreaker. Thankfully, it had no reflection in the result of the game, but moving forward, he's got to be able to stay in the pocket. you got to keep him upright. You know, I, I kind of talked about this in my unload post for uh, the site, but when Cornelius is good, I understand why Gundy has faith in him. I mean, he's, he puts, he's, he's got a good arm. He's great with the, the short intermediate passes. He can make the long throws. He puts some zip on that ball. Like, he looked more comfortable. He looked more in command. I, I think he probably is the best quarterback option that OSU has right now. I know everybody wants to talk about Drew Brown and Spencer Span Sanders. Spencer Sanders is a true freshman. He's, he's not the kinds of true freshmen that Clemson have. Just understand that. And for those hoping for Drew Brown, just go look at what Hawaii is doing without him compared to last year, and you kind of wonder if Drew Brown would even be at the start at Hawaii if he was still there. I think Cornelius is doing a good job. I think he's a good quarterback. I think he's what you expect out of a guy who's not an NFL quarterback. He's a career backup for a college team, and when he does something, when he has a bad throw, it's bad. When he makes a mistake, it's really bad. But when he's doing well, when he's playing well, when he's clicking, he looks really good. Yeah, and I agree, and I think a lot of this is just maybe Oklahoma State fans being spoiled in the last decade having two NFL quarterbacks come through, you know, in pretty close succession, and Taylor Cornelius is not, and this that's not an indictment of him, it's just that you, when you sit for four years plus, you know, you're probably not an NFL quarterback, and he's doing well given the fact that this is his second start since he was a senior in high school. I know we're, you know kind of beating a dead horse using that as a, you know, reasoning, but I feel like it's very valid and something to think about. And I'm interested to see what he does next week against a very good defensive team in Boise State. Uh, I'm not holding my breath that he's going to be absolutely lights out. I'm, you know, he's probably going to make a few mistakes, but at the end of the day, I don't think he will lose us a game this year. Uh, so I think people are dead if, well, I'll just say this, um, looking to Boise State, because we'll, we'll talk about this a lot more on Thursday's episode. I don't think OSU's going to beat Boise State, but I didn't think that coming into this season. And I don't think that would have mattered if, I don't think it matters if Taylor Cornelius is the quarterback, if Drew Brown is the quarterback, if Spencer Sanders is the quarterback, unless Mason Rudolph suddenly finds the ability to come back and play another game. I don't think OSU this year is set to beat Boise State. 
And I think they're going to want Cornelius out when they lose. And I don't. I think you're right at the point of. I don't think he's going to lose us games. Um, I, I don't like the interceptions. I can live with them if he's going to put up 400 yards through the air every week, um, throw for multiple touchdowns, and, and can make some things happen on the ground. I mean, he, he's fairly mobile. A couple times he got sacked. He just they were shoestring tackles, which you know those are, well, to some extent, luck. So I, I think that Gundy is riding with the guy he thinks is the best guy, and I don't want to hear about the whole Alex Kate over Brandon Whedon. I know, I know, I know. Gunny didn't have an offensive quarterback coordinator back then. He's got Mike Gearsich. The two are working together. I'm going to trust Mike and Mike that this really is the best option they have at this point in the season. Maybe that changes later on, but for right now, I think they're going with a guy who they believe gives them the best chance to win. Yes, I'm with you on that, and we'll see how next week goes, but and we'll talk a little bit more about that on Thursday. But overall, I was impressed. I thought there were improvements made, and I think he's better than he was in week one. Uh, real quickly, uh, just kind of last thing before we go into the Big 12 and the rest of college football as a whole, uh, what did you think about the uniform? I'm not a huge fan of the gray pants, but I still thought it looked pretty nice. I don't know, what, are you, what, are your th- what did you think? I like the gray pants, and I love the black jersey. I like black helmet, and I like the badge. I'm not big on the Ed Hardy design. Um, it was kind of fun the first time. It's not my favorite. We have so many different helmets that I think are better. I like black, black, gray, because I think the orange numbers on the black jersey just pop so it, much. It looks really, and really I, nice. I like the cowboys down the pant leg on the gray. I think it looks good. I even like little Phantom Pete on the gray pants. So I'm fine with the color combo. I'm fine with the combination overall. I didn't like it as much as last week's, but that's just because I'm not the biggest fan of that particular helmet. Yeah, I'm good with the the Paisley bandana design every once in a while. I think it's kind of cool. I think it's unique. But it's not something I need to see more than twice a season. But and I kind of wish they would have waited until maybe a little bit better game to wear it. But overall, I, th- I liked it. I thought it was a good look. So, you know, overall, not bad. I liked last week's better. I'm hoping for something a little bit better for uh, a little more marquee game next Saturday. Uh, speaking of helmets, did you see the uh, OSU Golf Twitter account and the helmet that they put out that was the white helmet mm-hmm. with the uh, Swing and Pete logo on it? Can they please wear those? Oh, Please let that be some point to see if if they're not going to do a true 1984 throwback for homecoming. Wear those, please. Absolutely, please. I would I would love to see that. That would be that would be really cool and kind of an homage to just what the rest of this you know university has to offer. Hashtag golf school. Um, yeah. <laughs> right. White, orange, white with that helmet. Yes, please. Yes, please. Um, all right, so now moving into the rest of the Big 12 as a whole, what were a couple of things that you saw from the rest of the conference? You know, uh, still kind of teetering on, you know, if we have any sort of shot in the Big tw- or for the college football playoff. I mean, the Big 12 is currently sitting on the precipice of being the worst of the Power Five this year. Uh, and I, and I'm, week three has so many big games, so many big games, that... I expected a better showing in week two. Like, first off, Bravo to Kansas to finally get a road win for the first time in like nine years is fantastic. Texas played. I expected better from Texas this week because I was trying to give them the benefit of the doubt that the rain delay caused them problems. 
especially after watching TCU come out in that first quarter against SMU and just struggle after a two-hour rain delay, and then TCU flipped the switch um, after a Cavante Turpin um, return touchdown, and they looked fine. Iowa State has no offense. Their defense is good again. That Iowa State defense looked fantastic and kept them in that game against Iowa, but the offense was putrid. And I think oh, I think Iowa State's in some real trouble if uh, Kyle Kempt is out for the rest of the season. I don't think he's supposed to be. I think he's just it's a, basically a sprain. But uh, And then last thought is, you know, there's a saying, if you have two quarterbacks, you don't have one. Well, that's the perfect example of what's wrong with Kansas State right now. Yeah, that, that was my main point was seeing K-State. Um, I, I was really, really concerned. I thought Mississippi State was probably going to find a way to win that game. I just think they're the better team. But I didn't expect it to be a throttling in Manhattan at all. But then I go back and I look at the stats. Skylar Thompson, 7 for 17, 86 yards and a touchdown. Alex Delton, 2 of 4, two of four for 14 yards and a pick. Neither had a QBR over 30. And then rushing, which is what K-State quarterbacks do a lot of. Skylar Thompson, 12 carries, 34 yards, long of 16. And then Alex Delton, 6 carries for 4 yards, long of 8. So neither are productive. And I'm wondering what they can do in this last non-conference game before they move into the conference. But it's definitely a concern about a team that I thought was going to be... I didn't think they were going to maybe be a dark horse to win the conference, but I definitely thought they were going to be able to sneak up on some people and be, a, you know, probably an 8-9 win team. Yeah, I, I thought they were a dark horse candidate for the the title, the uh, conference title game. Uh, now, at this point, they are a dark horse candidate to reach a bowl game. So, I, 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 I don't know what they're going to do. Hopefully, one of the two, you know, course corrects and starts playing well but until that happens Kansas State is in a, a world of hurt uh, and don't look now but Baylor hasn't been like oh my goodness they're back but Baylor has 2-0 and and, and looked pretty solid through two games so here's hoping despite the fact that nobody likes Baylor um, that they can actually do well because someone has to do well in the middle of the conference and it ain't looking like Iowa State, Kansas State or Texas or going to yeah we'll see and obviously a huge game next week for texas with usc coming into town so that will be uh that will be a definitely a a big game for the tom herman era in the second year yeah Uh, and what was your favorite wrapping up here what was your favorite game of the week non-big 12 that you were able to watch um well i mean technically it's non-big 12 but two former big 12 teams facing off in that colorado and nebraska that was a fantastic game with a fantastic close um Props to the backup former walk-on quarterback for Nebraska, nearly leading a come-from-behind win over Colorado. It was it was a crazy good game. Uh, I really enjoyed it. I, it was a little disappointing for Scott Frost to lose his technical debut after their first game got canceled uh, due to rain, but it was a great game. Uh, I'm I'm kind of of the opinion that I I, I like. I don't have a problem. Colorado would be fine if they had some success. So maybe this is the year they uh, they go back to a bowl game. You know, McIntyre has been the head coach there for like this is like season six. He's been to a bowl game one time. Um, it was the year that we thumped them in the Alamo Bowl. That was so, a great time for us. <laughs> oh, it was wonderful, wonderful. So yeah, 
Uh, that was a great game. I love that game. Fantastic game finish. Great close. Was, that was my favorite game of the weekend. Yeah, I was I was able to see little bits and pieces of that one just from uh, being in the ticket office and being bored when no one was coming to my booth, so I was able to keep up with the score. And that Adrian Martinez, that f- true freshman from Nebraska, looks like he's no joke. And then Steven Montez can sling it for Colorado. He had 450 yards, I think, passing. So that was, you know, it's it'll make for an interesting you know season. I I really like Scott Frost. I think he's a great coach, and I'd love for Nebraska to be a power again in the Big Ten and be you know kind of back to what they were. I think that would be really, really cool to see, especially someone that had such great success there. My favorite game of the week was probably one of the more bizarre games of the week, but it was Michigan State and Arizona State. Arizona State getting a late-night upset. It was just a weird game overall. Like You look at the stat lines for both teams, and you'd think that you know the quarterbacks just went off, but like I said, it was 16-13. to 13. Manny Wilkins for Arizona State threw for 380 yards and had a touchdown and a pick. And the QBR, 62.9. Brandon Lorkey for Michigan State, 27-39, 314 yards, and touchdown on a pick. And had a QBR of 48.5. Neither team rushed for 70 yards. Michigan State had 63. Arizona State had 44. Neither team had more than one turnover. It's, it was just weird, but Arizona State still found a way to win. And props to Herm Edwards, who, when they hired him, I thought, this is... A joke. I did not think it was going to work at all, but to find a way to beat a top 15 team in his second game, you know, props to him. Yeah, we'll see how that experiment works out long term, but so far, 2 0, looking pretty good. Yep. Uh, any final thoughts for this week before we, uh, before we move on to Boise State on uh, Thursday? No, I mean, I, it was an interesting weekend. I thought overall it, it was a more entertaining weekend than week one, so. Uh, week three is going to be here soon, and man, is it big. It's going to be fun. It is, it's going to be a lot of fun. Like I said, we will get to that on Thursday, so we will see you all then. Philip, where can they find you on Twitter? Follow me at OKTXARPOKE. Oklahoma, Texas AR, abbreviations to all the places that I've lived. Uh, don't forget to follow my other podcast, the 1012 Podcast. You can get it on iTunes or SoundCloud. Also follow on Twitter, at 1012 Podcast, at the number 10, the number 12, the word podcast. All right, and then you can follow me at JT Penfield. Be sure to follow the main site at Cowboys RFF. We'll have stuff recapping South Alabama again at the beginning of the week, and then we'll move into Boise State later this week. So stay stay locked on the on the site, and uh, we'll have some good stuff up for you. And uh, we will see you next week.